0: Hey, good morning, everybody. Brad whispered to me on the way off. He said, I'm gonna figure that out. And I just hope you don't, man. I loved it, loved it. Hey, uh, welcome many of us to a brand new year at Heartland, 2023, uh, you're going strong. Look at all of you here week two, crushing the habit of showing up to praise God on Sunday. Could you guys just give yourselves a round of applause? You're here second week, second Sunday. Brad was like, "You got one down." No, you got two down here. We're we're, we're patting the goals. I'm all about positive affirmation, and so I just want to say, "Way to go! Way to go!" Uh, We learned last week. If you weren't here, uh, many of you were traveling or still spending time with family members. And uh, last week, we learned that uh, the first day of the week is this phrase that shows up in the Bible that really centers the followers of Jesus around the resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus happened on a Sunday. From that point on, from Easter Sunday, the day of celebration moved from Saturday a Sunday, that's literally an earth-shattering event that happened that changed the habits of the world. The resurrection of Jesus, because he came back from the dead, it, it actually has the right to reorder our lives, is what we talked about last week. And so um, I'm really grateful for a church that's excited to have their lives reshaped and reordered by Jesus, and looking at the beginning of a, of a new year, it's a great time for us to look at our, our habits. our habits. As we follow Jesus, we try to live like him. You don't have to look long, at his life to know that he had an incredibly powerful prayer life. What I mean is when he would pray, if you read the scriptures, if you read the New Testament, it seems like God gave Jesus incredible power in those moments of prayer. He taught his followers how to pray. He invited them to pray with him. And he tells us uh, that he prayed for his followers. There's this moment in uh, the, the, the story of Jesus where one of the disciples, Peter, Peter uh, is, is the guy that says the thing that shouldn't be said out loud. And he says this thing, and Jesus tells him this kind of scary warning. He says, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Peter, um, you gotta be careful because that's not anything that comes from the spirit. That actually comes from the devil. And he says this. He says, you know, Satan has asked to sift you, Peter. But Jesus says this. He says, but I've prayed, for you. There's something about Jesus' prayers that has this power to protect his followers. That was three Ps, Brad, right in one sentence. (laughs) Um, Nobody needs to be convinced to pray. If you've ever experienced a national tragedy, people instinctively rush to social media to invite to boldly proclaim that they're praying. This is a a good thing. Um, When times are tough in my life, I will pray. It's a natural reflex even. But what I want us to look at today is, is while prayer can be sporadic, it never was sporadic for Jesus. It was rhythmic. It was intentional. It was like breathing in and breathing out for him. I think sporadic prayer, this is kind of a gross metaphor, but stay with me. Sporadic prayer is like only reaching for the floss when you get some food caught between your teeth. Just because you floss when something was stuck doesn't mean you're reaping the full benefit of flossing. You can ask your dentist about all that. It's the constant habit of the thing in normal conditions which actually provides the benefit in more of a way than just a one-time practice. And so I want to talk about prayer today. There's a beauty about prayer. Prayer can be sporadic, and there's a beauty to that. That we can approach God in any season of our life, whether we've come to him yesterday or we've come to him 10 years ago. God welcomes us coming. Isn't that true, church? That's true. But there's a greater beauty to the daily rhythms of life that are ordered around prayer. Here's what I want to say. Sporadic prayer fits God into my life. But prayer that is regular and intentional fits my life into God. There's a very distinct difference there. And I want to break that down for us over the course of today. For that reason, in this new year, one of the best habits that we as people of God can actually take to ourselves here is this habit of finding intentional time on a daily basis to spend time in prayer. I don't think we need to be convinced that we need to pray. I think we need to be convinced that we need to order our lives around prayer. And so in teaching today, I could pull us to any one of Jesus's prayers. There's a lot of options in the New Testament um, for for me to to do that. Uh, But instead, I I think if we were just look at how Jesus prayed, we would all kind of walk out of here with this feeling of inadequacy. Like, I can never do that. Um, But there's a follower of Jesus who is a normal person just like you and me. This guy named Paul. Paul wrote a letter to um, the church, a couple churches, one of them in Rome. He, he wrote this in uh, Romans chapter 12, I think it's verse 9. He says that we should be constant in prayer, to have rhythms in our life that are always praying. But it's one of these prayers that the Apostle Paul gave that I really want us to look at for both its beauty and its simplicity. Not so that you all walk out of here to become eloquent speakers or eloquent prayers, but to see just what happens when we pray. The... Um, Prayer is found in this book, this letter that he wrote to the Ephesians church. And I just want to read it uh, in its entirety for you uh, because it is really incredible. And I'm going to talk about the whole entire thing this morning. I hope that's okay. Uh, here it is, uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. You can follow along on the screen with me. It says this, For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name, I pray that out of the glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know There are um, four benefits that I see Paul praying through when we kneel before the Father. This is a prayer, this is both a blessing to this church, but I think it's a model for us to consider as we think about the benefits of prayer. And I kid you not, it wasn't until just a couple seconds ago when Brad was making a mess out of alliteration that I realized that all of these are actually alliterated. (laughs) P is the preacher's playground, all right? Uh, and so I think I got four P words for you. Gosh, can we change these on the spot or is this locked in? I think this is locked in now. Um, the first benefit of prayer. Here, you'll see it. You'll see it. It's, it's this. It's when you pray, pray, prayer ignites purpose. Everybody say purpose. Purpose. Uh, look, look back if you've got a copy of the Bible. I don't have it back for you on the screen. But verse 14, Paul says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. This reason here, there's a purpose that Paul is praying through. There's something that has driven him to actually talk to God. And the purpose that he has in praying is actually, if you you gotta go back up in what he said, just a couple verses earlier, it really refers um, back to the argument he had just made that God through Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection from the dead is creating a new people. He's united a new people in faith to form a new family. That the resurrection of Jesus doesn't just save some people, it saves all people who call on the name of Jesus. It, he, God is knitting together for himself a new family. And the reason we pray is because God's building a family and he's our good father who blesses us. You see, prayer is a unifier. I guess I could say it this way, the church that prays together <laughs> stays together, right? Right? It's a unifier. It, it brings us around the common one central thing, which is the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ who is our Lord. The resurrection of Jesus, it, it broke down barriers so that no longer just by bloodlines would people be related, but also by faith lines. That our faith in Jesus actually is the ultimate expression of faith that we become a family. That, that well, I can't see God, you can see me. And God can see us and we can talk to one another about God and we can talk to one another with God and we can carry on a conversation with God like a child talks to their father. I think one of the greatest purposes that God gives us in life is a a core satisfying reality for, for our souls is that we were created to know God. We were created to have an intimate conversation, an intimate relationship with him to know his love and his creativity, to to see his power and his majesty, to find awe and wonder at who he is and what he does. Paul says, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead made it such that all people can know God and wonder at his work that he is doing, which is renaming all of us. The first verse, let me say say it to you one more time. For this reason, I kneel before the father from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. God's creating a family. And in prayer, we all approach our one father together. You know, there's a lot of ways that you and I try and find purpose in this life. But Paul says it's because of the eternal purposes of God and Jesus that we have a relationship with him. That's actually verse 6, just a couple of verses earlier. He says, so I pray like a young child coming to his father with with you like a young child coming to your father. We're coming to the same father. We're praying together. What that does for me is that gives me confidence in life. To know that God is my father allows me not to approach him as if someone is going to punish me or, or call out my failures or just diminish me. Um, whenever I, uh, I I'm, I'm one of those parents that cares deeply about their kids participating in sports. You know the type? You read about us online. And I, I, um, I care deeply that my kids succeed and they, they're, they're um, you know, achieving their fullest. Yesterday, my son, who is young, had a basketball game where the ball was um, traveled more than it went through the hoop. You know what I mean? And at the end of the game, I was just surprised at my own internal emotions because I could have cared less about the score. The son didn't do very well. It was that other kid's fault, honestly. But um, <laughs> just saying. And, and afterwards, he was so beat up with himself, so just like, and he, he approached his mom and me as if, like, we were just going to give him what for. Like, how could you not attack the, the pick on that block, man? Like, he could have got that ball. That's what he thought we were going to say to him. He came back to us. He's like, that wasn't a very good game, was it? And and we surprised him. We were like, dude, you hustled like mad out there. Because he did. (laughs) And and when you got that rebound, you put it right back up. Man, that was amazing. And and as a parent, we just found ourselves encouraging our kid. As he came to us, sometimes we all come to God with this fear that God's going to see the stuff that we kind of messed up on. And he's going to be like... The shame factor will be high, and actually, when you come to your father, you have confidence that he loves you, that he's named you, that he cares for you, that he's given you the ultimate purpose in this life, not to achieve anything, but that the work has been done through his only son, that we can come to God in prayer and rest in the fact that God is for us. When I recognize that God's purpose in my life is for me to know him and to see other people know him and to pray to that end, it brings for me a sense of confidence knowing that it's not about my performance, it's about God's grace. There's, there's purpose in it. Prayer um, ignites purpose. Here's the second benefit. Um, you'll never forget this because it starts with the letter P, I guess. Prayer invites God's power. Prayer invites God's power. You, 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 um, you can't miss it. Um, Paul says it multiple times. Let's just go through it again. He says, I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you. Ever say it with me. With power. Through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, again. Here's the next slide. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, say it with me. May have power. Together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. I could even keep going at the end of of this whole thing. He says, um, according to the power that is at work within us, verse 20, prayer is the vehicle that God has chosen to dispense his power into our lives through his spirit. That is really convicting for me. Where you get your power matters because power impacts your potential and your production. Um, A while ago, I bought path lights for my um, house to go from my driveway to my front step because I wanted to outdo my neighbors and look a little bit nicer. True story. And I went to Home Depot and I picked up the cheapest lights that I could find. They were solar powered. They get their power from the sun. That's very cool. I love solar technology. I would love to have the entire grid be on solar because it's super renewable. That's great. But you know what happened the first day that I had those things out there? They lit up for about 10 minutes and then they were out. And I thought to myself, well, that doesn't really flex on my neighbors the way I want it to. And so I went back to Home Depot and I bought some more power. I got lights that were connected to a power transformer. And they're low voltage, but they're really bright. You can see my house from space now. (laughs) And the difference wasn't necessarily the lumens of the bulb, but how the bulb got its power. Being hardwired connected to a power source was better than having a distant Wi-Fi connection to the sun, it turns out. And I say this because um, I think it's just an easy way for us to imagine the fact that there are different power sources in this world and some are better than others. When Paul prays for God to strengthen them with power through his spirit, he is appealing to the ultimate highest authority, the highest power power. He says this phrase, through the glorious riches. It's the same phrase that he used a couple of verses earlier had we looked at verse eight. Uh, it's the same phrase he talks about when he talks about the fact that Jesus' death and resurrection is offered to anyone who believes and has new life. It gives us a new sense of power. It's, and it's the spirit. The spirit of God provides the power to our lives and uses prayer to dispense it. Paul gives us three images. If you're looking at the text, I want you just to see this. He gives us three images to what this power looks like. They all have to do with this idea of strengthening and deepening your life. First, he says that Christ will dwell in your hearts through faith. That's verse 17. To dwell, it means to literally to, to, to reside in or to build a house in. To make your home. The moment that Christ is your savior. You can say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I accept you. I, I want to welcome you into my life to reorder things and, and make me more like you to, to have eternal life. The truth of the gospel is that, that that seed becomes lodged in your soul and it begins to move in. Jesus moves into your life. Now I don't know, I've heard horror stories of people having roommates move into their home and they bring with them all this stuff and all of a sudden decorations disappear and reappear and and, and things get all messed up, and it's like a, a, the, the roommate that you never really actually wanted. And Jesus isn't like that, because um, he comes in, and he brings with him upgrades to everything you need in your life. And it's like you had a trashy couch, and he brought in the leather sofa, and, and you didn't know you needed a bidet, but he brought you one. <laughs> Just being real, okay? Okay. And, and, and he, didn't, he, he didn't know that like your, your countertops were trashy, but he, he upgraded those in your home, right? Like he, he doesn't just sit with you in the mess. He takes time to work out with you in your life the, the riches of his grace such that he makes us better people. This gospel dwells in our hearts through the spirit. So he lives with us. It's a daily, daily relationship. Second, Paul says... That, that this power will root them. He says, rooted, rooted. Um, During a tornado, I'm, I'm, I'm always amazed at the trees that are uprooted. What was under the ground becomes exposed. I, I, this happened last summer. Uh, we slept through the tornado that hit on 90, 95th Street. My family and I did. That's how people knew that we belonged in Kansas. <laughs> they were like, you slept through a tornado, welcome home. Uh, And uh, some of you, I I texted because I knew you were close to the path of that thing. And I was like, hey, are you okay? Is your neighborhood okay? And you sent me back some pictures of trees that had just massive trees that had just pulled up concrete with it. And what was under the ground was now exposed. And you looked at the aftermath of these things and you, you wonder why the tree next to it didn't also fall over. The difference wasn't just the path of the wind. But it also had something to do with the depth of the roots. I learned recently that winemakers will give um, new grapevines less water than you would think that they need to survive so that the roots don't just stay near the surface of the soil, but instead they get trained to dive deep into the earth, which will actually solidify the vine so that in seasons of drought, it can still produce good fruit there's a sermon in there somewhere for, I think, what God does with us when he withholds the rain in our lives. But, but, but suffice it to say that depth is important for the plant. When, when, when Paul says that, I pray for you to be rooted, he's saying, I'm praying that, that God would give you what you need so that your roots of your life go down deep to survive whatever storms might come your way. And then finally, he says, rooted and established in love. That's the phrase he says. Established literally means just you've dug a deep foundation, and you've created a thick wall. I lived in downtown Chicago for, for a couple of years. I saw many great skyscrapers being built. And it always impressed me how far down the foundation of these buildings go. Because um, you know sometimes they drill hundreds of feet down into the earth to be able to, to make these things fly up. And the principle is to, to go up high, you've got to go down deep. So here's, here's what Paul is saying. What's the power of our lives? The power of our lives is the faith we have in Jesus that allows us to welcome him into our homes to make rearrangements. In our life, the, the, the seed of the gospel through his spirit, when he says, hey, hey, I don't think this habit in your life is really bearing the fruit you want it to, let's make that change. He, he's giving you power to do that. He's giving you power to, to dig deep roots into him so that when the storms of life come, you don't have to just pray to him sporadically, you can have a consistent relationship with him that fuels you. That that your life can be built upon, it can handle the weight of the world, because your foundation is upon something that will never move. All of this is His love for us that strengthens our hearts, so we can see His love on display. Third benefit, prayer not only um, invites power and uh, shows us, uh, invites power and gives us purpose, but it also does this: it expands our perspective. Prayer expands our our perspective. I want you to see this. I don't know if you have a copy of of, of this out, but he says, I want you to, this is verse 19, I want you to know this love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. How, How long and high and wide and deep is the love of Christ? It might seem counterintuitive, but prayer is the vehicle God uses to show us that he's at work. We wonder, how do we see God in our life when we're just sitting in a chair or just lying in bed or kneeling by our bedside or praying at a meal? How is that showing us God at work? Got my eyes closed. I can't see God. How do I know he's working? And Paul says that we would we would grasp the dimensions of Jesus' love. The Greek word there is really uh, funny to me because it, it describes the way a monkey's tail will grasp a vine. That's literally the reference. You ever see a spider monkey climb? It uses its tail and its, and its legs or, or whatever they are to actually scale something. And he says, I, I want you in prayer to grasp the way that that tail is providing stability to that monkey. That prayer is our ability to scale the depths and the width and the height and the love of God so that you can be filled up here's how it works it's, it's when you and I come together to pray we're giving God permission to move in an arena of our lives and, and, and we, we, we take something that we think God I can't figure this out on my own and we put it before him with the witness of other people and we watch him move Sometimes minutes later, sometimes hours later. Um, true story, last, last summer, Kristen and I moved here uh, in, the, in the summer, and, and we did a similar thing that we just did earlier in the service where we had note cards on the seat, and we had them, I think, clipped up all around, and, and Kristen had a very specific prayer that she, she put on that card. And it was answered three hours after our service was over. That's a thing that happened in our life. (laughs) And because she put it in writing, and she put it in a basket, and she trusted God with it, the moment that it happened, she didn't look around and feel relieved. She looked up and said, whoa, how big is God? that just three hours ago, I would have prayed this prayer, put it on paper, asked someone to carry this for me, and here he is doing it right by my side. Prayer is the front row, prayer is courtside seats to God's activity in life. The people who have the blessing of sitting courtside are the ones who will actually take the time to talk to God. If you want to watch God move in your life, don't pray sporadically. Pray consistently. Pray earnestly. And watch God change your perspective. This is why I think um, prayer is one of the most dangerous things that you can do for someone else. You can pray for them. I don't mean that nefariously. Some of you are like, I'm going to pray for that guy. You know what I mean? Like you've got that thing because the Psalms are like half like vindictive. Um, no, no, when you have tension with somebody, when you've been wronged by somebody, and maybe in your heart you've had to create some space, but you know that you're holding on to something that your heart shouldn't still be holding on to even though you've created some distance from the problem. When you pray for that person, it's almost impossible to stay furious with them. Because the purpose of God in prayer is the coming together of his people to recognize that while we may have irreconcilable differences, we will see each other in heaven, possibly. And I can trust and know that God loves that person as much as he loves me. Prayer changes our perspective to see God's work in our lives in a way that we never, never could have. When you pray... um, God, help me love this person, you better watch out because he'll do it. I think um, that's what it looks like for us to have the heart of God, to grasp the length and width and height and depth of love that surpasses all knowledge. The perspective that we have on faith is that it's an intellectual pursuit only, perhaps, that, that we use our minds to understand this reality of this supernatural world that Jesus came and created with his resurrection and we understand that we can't make sense of this so we trust him, we follow him. But Paul prays this really inspiring prayer. He says that I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. That, that there's something about the emotional experience of our life that allows us to know God in a deeper way. And it comes to us when you pray. And finally this, last last uh, last Benefit of prayer. When we see all these things, the purpose and the power and our changing perspective, it inspires you to praise Him. Prayer inspires us to praise. Paul ends this prayer with one of the most incredible words of praise. We say it over our church, and I'm going to end it, our service here with these words as well. But, but he praises Jesus, and he says, God has the power to do more than we could ever dream of, more than we could ever ask. And he, he's put that power deep at work within us. Prayer allows us to see that God is working in our lives in a way that we can't comprehend and just leaves us speechless. And the best we do is try and come together and say, I saw God do this thing. I don't know how to talk about it. But all I can say is, wow, and how good is God? Immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Whatever questions we can imagine to feed into God, he's got better questions to answer for us. Whatever power we ask from him, he's got better power for us. When we pray, his people tap into power through prayer. And he says this, this is this incredible thing. He says, according to the power that is at work within you. Which tells me this. It's that God's power, if you trust in Jesus, is already doing something in your life if you could only recognize it. If you'd only just stop, hit your knees, physically or metaphorically, you do you. And talk to God and say, I need you, would you help? Paul says that that's already going on inside of you. He's already working inside of you. His power is available to you. And it results in praise. Here's my, my prayer for us as a church. I know that so many of our leaders share this sentiment as well. I walked into the auditorium this morning right as the band was kicking off and um, saw people in the corner praying together. And I thought, thank you. Because I, I, I want to be a part of a church where people take seriously the pursuit of prayer. Where prayer is the strategy, (laughs) where prayer is the way that we tap into the power of God, where prayer is the way that God shapes our hearts, not just to overcome his reluctance in our lives. Phillips Brooks is an old preacher. He said, prayer is not just so that we can overcome God's reluctance. Like we sometimes come to God and we're like begging a dad who won't give us a thing. We don't pray because we have to overcome God's reluctance. We pray so that we can lay hold of God's permission God is already willing to bless us in our lives. He just wants us to come and ask for it. And so here's, here's how I think we kind of process through rhythms of prayer together. First is simply this. What does it look like for you in your life to ask for prayer? I know that's super basic, but, but, but Paul is writing to this group of people who love Jesus, and, and he's got to know something about them. There's got to be some sort of request that is behind all of this, and, and I wonder, have you ever asked for prayer? Today was a great first step for you. If you've never asked for prayer before, maybe you wrote something on the card, you came down, you put it down in the front, um, that's asking for prayer. To, to just making the things that you want God to do in your life or that you need his help with, make them known. I think one of the greatest teams that we have in our church is this confidential prayer team that we have here at Heartland. These are trusted leaders who confidentially receive prayer requests almost on a daily basis. And they're praying for our community. And I want you to know that um, I think this team has a lot more bandwidth available to you. There's a box online, a little form you can fill out if ever you just need prayer. And, and I hope that you would use that to know that, that we're a church, when you tell us we'd like you to pray for me, that we will actually pray for you. I've seen so many people celebrate the goodness of God because they actually took the time to ask for prayer. There's a second way that I think this works out for us, though, is what Paul is doing here for these Ephesians is, is to offer to pray for someone. This is where it gets a little bit stickier for us. Maybe this is a little bit outside of your comfort zone. Maybe you're like, whoa, whoa, I'm not like a pastor. I'm not a priest. I'm not Paul and I'm not Jesus. Well, how do I offer to pray for somebody? But I I wish that this would be a normal um, reflex in our lives. And that's why I think habitual prayer in our lives builds this, this muscle. Is when we are people who pray and have seen the power of God in prayer, we will boldly offer to pray for other people Here's a little preaching secret. You can know how this goes for me. Um, Weeks where I feel like, man, I just didn't communicate to anybody that week, and I feel insecure about myself when I preach, I come off the stage, and I try and compensate with that by praying for people. (laughs) It's like, well, you didn't do this part of your job very well. Let's do this part of your job really well, okay? That's like the pastoral secret of my heart. And um, as I've done that over the past couple of weeks, just look for opportunities to pray for people. Every single time, there's been a deepening of a friendship. There's been a deeper interest that I've had in someone else's life. And this is the crazy thing. Almost every time, there's one exception that I'm still waiting for, but almost every time, that person has come back and said, hey, you'll never believe what happened today. God is moving. And that has been fire for my soul to know that when I've come together on behalf of somebody else and offered to pray, that God has honored that and met that. Now listen, you don't have to be a super spiritual person to pray for someone. You just gotta care. You just gotta care and you gotta be willing to utter these words. Can I pray for you? (laughs) You just got to be willing to just ask the question, can I pray for you? This sounds like something that would be great to invite God into. Would it be okay if I prayed for you? And how beautiful would it be if we all took time throughout this Sunday morning experience, when we came into the doors, we just thought to ourselves, I'm going to pray with somebody today. I'm going to ask for prayer. I'm going to offer a prayer, but I want to feel the power and the presence of God. I want to see my perspective explode today. I want to praise God. And so I'm going to offer to pray with somebody today. It's a beautiful way to build a friendship. It's a beautiful way to see God at work. Um, Finally, here's the the last thing I think it means for us I think it means um, that we prioritize regular prayer. We don't sporadically come to God, but we let God build rhythms of prayer into our lives. This is probably the hardest thing for me. This is maybe the hardest part for you. Part of making space to build a relationship with Jesus where he's first in our life means cultivating consistent rhythms of prayer. Such that our lives become built around God, we don't just shoehorn God into our lives. Prioritizing regular prayer means possibly this. This has looked different at different seasons of the church for the past 2,000 years. Uh, monks used to go in the desert, and five times a day they would pray. They'd wait for the bell, it would toll, and, and then they would pray for an hour. I'm not asking you to do that. And everybody said, thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm, not, I'm not even going to install a bell on Heartland and ring it so that the church around Olathe can hear the time that it is to pray. But I do think that there's power in starting your day, and ending your day in prayer. So here's, here's a challenge. Here, here's just where I, I would like to push us for the next 21 days. That's the big number, 21. Um, you're already started day one because we started today. And you've already prayed in the service. So everybody, good job. You're already going. 21 days. Could you spend two minutes in the morning, two minutes in the evening, intentionally talking to God? Why two minutes, Dan? Is that, is that biblical? No. Why two minutes? Because we're all really, 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 really inattentive goldfish. Right? We got, we got no attention span. So two minutes sounds like harder, hard enough for you to be tempted by social media at least once and to overcome it, and then long enough for you to actually talk to God. Two minutes in the morning just to say, God, here's my day. Here's what I've got. Help me be reminded of who you are. I want to invite your power into my life today so that as I go throughout my day, I can have a perspective that grows to see how high and wide and deep and long is the love of Christ. And then in the evening, to take that time to reflect, to say, God, here's how my day went. I need your forgiveness for this thing that I did, but you already know that. Tomorrow as I go through this thing, would you help me sleep well tonight to be able to face that? As I went through my day, I learned about these people's issues. Could you help them with that? And pray for our church and pray for our city and have a chance to just prioritize a rhythm of prayer. To invite God's power into our lives. And, and um, this is, I think, just a simple habit that would really change how we interact with God. How, how you experience the love and the power of Jesus. To help you with this, um, I've actually uh, already taken a step to help, to help you, if this would help you. We're going to make available every day starting tomorrow, Monday through Friday, for three weeks, morning prayer connects that we're going to offer to everyone who has a computer or a mobile device or a tablet. We've created a Zoom link. It's available. I think we've got, a, um, we got something that will connect you. You can go to heart, uh, heartlandchurch.org or you can uh, QR code this to our link tree that will get you the option to uh, save the, the link. But it's just a basic Zoom call at 6.45 in the morning, why 6.45? Because that's when Jesus prayed. It's not when Jesus prayed. He prayed at like four, all right? We didn't, want, we didn't want to do four because it's bad for your mental health. But um, we wanted to do a time before the kids were really killing you and before you had to be at work. And if this works with your rhythm, we would love to pray with you. And here's how it's going to be. You'll log on at 6.45. And someone, one of our leaders, you've got 15 different leaders that will be leading this over the next couple of days. One of our leaders is going to be praying about our, our lives and about our days. are going to be introducing a theme for you to think about over, over the course of, of that day. They're going to pray. And five minutes into that prayer, they're going to stop praying. And they're going to say, hey, we hope you guys have a great day. And then they're going to say, if anybody doesn't have to rush off and wants me to pray for you, I'd love to take this time right here right now to just pray and talk to God with you. So you can stay for five minutes or you can stay, you know, if you've got more time, you can stay a little bit longer. Why, why would we do that? Because we believe that prayer moves the hand of God in power. We want to be a church that prays. Um, if for some reason this 645 time doesn't work for you, find friends who would pray with you at a set time. And here's really what I want you to do right now. I want you to grab your phone. I want you to take it out. And I'm not going to end the service until you do it. It's called spiritual manipulation. I guess that's not good. I want you to look at your calendar and, and, and get a hold of a couple five-minute blocks on your calendar this week. Just right here, right now, just, just consider what would it look like for me to, to set aside this time, to be reminded that I should pray, and then to take two minutes throughout your days and pray morning and evening. I'm so eager to see how God changes our perspective I know this sounds so basic. I know this sounds so like rote. I feel like this could be on the verge of ritualistic. But I believe that God will move in ways that you and I could never ask or imagine. We'll love for you to stand with me as I close our time right now. And um, as you're standing, there have been a lot of people who have asked for prayer today myself being one of them, I dropped a card in one of the baskets earlier in our service. We've collected all of those cards and we've put them in the back. You don't have to do this, but we would love if you would offer to pray for one of those cards. If you showed up late today, you don't know what I'm talking about, but you've got a prayer request, you can fill out one of those cards in the seats right now and just drop it in on your way out. But if you filled out a card and you want to pray, grab one on the way out. Hold someone's sacred prayer request up in prayer this week to God. Maybe you need something to pray about in those two-minute time blocks. This is a great, great opportunity to lift up people in our community in prayer. We say all this to say that we pray out of God's glorious riches that he may strengthen us with power through his spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith And we pray that we being rooted and established in love may have power together with everyone else to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that we may be filled to all the fullness, the measure of God. And to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory and praise in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.